I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we go back to Ephesians one more time. Uh, we'll pause after today's message until after the first of the year. And we'll finish our study through the letter of Ephesians in January. We're going to do a series of messages just pulling out of Ephesians this particular uh, some, some particular verses in chapter 6 to the end of the chapter. A series of messages will start January the 9th called Be Strong, Winning the Fight of Your Life. Uh, but today we go back uh, again to the book of Ephesians and I want to cover the concluding verses of Ephesians 5 and the first uh, nine verses of Ephesians 6. You find your place and look this way. Uh, there is a uh, two-word phrase that has become uh, very uh, common to us. We, we know it well. We understand it. It's a two-word phrase that we had no idea what it meant just maybe three years ago. Uh, you know it well if you're a sports fan, especially college basketball or college football. And it's this two-word phrase called the transfer portal. Uh, where in the world did that phrase come from? But we uh, watch the news and you follow sports and you follow recruiting and this person or that person decides that their time at one university is finished and it's time for them to take their talents uh, to uh, another campus, another school. And uh, they enter the transfer portal. A lot of good reasons for that. A lot of things that go into every decision for every player. But imagine with me, that person transfers. They pick the school, they sign a new scholarship, and they're there, and they bring with them an old system, the philosophy of another coach, the culture of another campus, and now they're a part of a new team. How's that going to work? Are they going to adapt? Are they going to adjust? Are they going to come to a point where they realize new culture, new team, new coach, new way of doing life, things are going to be different? The Apostle Paul was writing to a group of people that had experienced a transfer. He was writing to a group of people that had entered into a new system. He writes to an audience that now are followers of Jesus Christ. This was a group of people in Ephesus that had been dead in their sins and now they are alive in Jesus Christ. This is a group of people that had been walking in darkness and now they're walking in light. This is a group of people that had a different leader. They were following the enemy and the ways of the world, and now they have a new king. They have a new leader. They have a new Lord, and they're following Jesus Christ and a new way of doing life. And when we read the verses this morning, I want you to be right with me on this, that what the Apostle Paul is describing for us is the 
new lifestyle, a new way of living, a new culture, if you will, once you are now in Christ. We go from being outside of Christ, outside of the kingdom, dead in our sins when we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. The book of Ephesians, six chapters. The first three chapters talk about how that transfer happens, how that new life happens, how that resurrection happens. These are verses that tell us in the first three chapters how we get a new position in Christ. And then chapter 4 starts and we begin to see how that new position in Christ plays out in our everyday practice. Are you going to adjust? Are you going to adapt? Are you going to live in line with who you are now? These verses that we're looking at this morning describe a new community, a new race. It's no longer Jews and Gentiles. They're saints. They're believers. They're people of God. They're followers of Christ. They're living a life out of reverence for Christ. They're following the ways of Christ. They are rendering service as unto Christ. And we come to this passage maybe tempted today. A passage that talks about how we relate to one another. A passage that talks about how wives and husbands relate to one another. A passage that talks about how children and parents, fathers and mothers, kids relate to one another. And a passage that talks about how servants relate to masters. The application we'll make today would be workers and those who lead workers. And when we're reach this passage there's a temptation for us to read western culture into these verses there's a temptation to read uh, the way we want to do life the way we want to do marriage the way we want to do parenting to read that into this it's a passage that we look at and we'd say pastor this is very antiquish Uh, this is old school we catch up to the 21st century i want to i want to say this I think it's critical for all of Ephesians and really the whole Christian life. Living in this world as Christians, living in this world as Christians requires us to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Living in this world as a Christian requires us to be comfortable, to become comfortable living uncomfortable when you read these verses you'll think man I just I don't know if you can do that in the business world today when you read these verses I, I don't know if I can relate that way to my parents I, there's, I don't know if my marriage pastor you don't know my marriage you don't know my wife you don't know my husband I, I just and, and I, I've read this magazine pastor I really think this is how it's got to work don't let's hold God's word up to our life and say God what is what is your plan and I'll make a promise to you that if we 
would build our homes and our lives, our vocational life on this way of living. It will bring the greatest glory to God and it will bring the greatest joy to your life. I want to tell you five questions that I'm going to try to answer today before I read the verses. And then after I read the verses, I want to come back and try to answer these questions. When we look at these verses, I'm asking the question, first of all, who am I in these verses? Who am I in these verses? I would ask you to, as I read these verses, for you to say, uh, who are you in these verses? And, And look for where you find your place, your role in these verses. The second question I'll ask and answer is this, what does God require of me? in these verses and then the third question I will ask is why does God require this from me the fourth question I'll ask is when should I start and the fifth question I want to answer today is how do I do what he requires of me now thinking specifically about who am I in these verses make it personal who are you in these verses let me begin reading in verse 21 Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Chapter 5, now verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is, in, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. First question, who am I in these verses? Who are you in these verses? 
and I, and I mean taking the time as we read through these verses and as you come across a reference to a person, you would, you would say, oh, that's me. That's who I am in these verses. And here's why. Here's why I want to start there. I want to start there because these are, these are verses talking about wives and husbands and children and workers and employers. These are verses I, I would call like gotcha verses. Uh, these are verses that um, we, we, we love to hear them and especially parents get excited about the preacher reading them and, and they're like elbowing in the, in the pew. You hear him, don't you? You're supposed to obey me. Sometime at lunch today, you'll be tempted to say, do you not hear the preacher when he was up there this morning? Get back over here and sit down. Obey your mama. And we joke a little bit there, but it's also gotcha verses when we're talking about wives and husbands. And we read through these verses, and, and there's such a, there's a draw for us to go uh, immediately to not ourselves, but to the other and say, see here what it says. And so today when we talk about who we are in these verses, I think it's critical for us to start with with finding ourselves in these verses and to see what the Spirit of God wants to do in us in relationship to these verses. And the very first place I find myself in these verses is verse 21 where it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And when I read that verse, I say, here I am in this verse. I am a one another brother. I'm a one another brother. And some of you in this room right now, as you read these verses, you would have to say, I'm a one another sister. And as a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, as one who is in this new way of living, a follower of Jesus Christ, we would say, here I am in this verse, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As a brother to you in Christ, God's word instructs me, submit to you. Submit to one another. I find in this passage of scripture, as I keep reading, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, that's me. So I need to read these verses looking to see what he says for me to do as a husband. And then some of you in this room, you read it and you say, I'm a wife. There it is. Some in this room today, Uh, You are a wife or you're a husband. Some of you in this room today are a potential wife or a potential husband. We we read on in these verses. You get to chapter 6, verse 1. It says, children, obey. And children, that's me. I'm a child. I have parents. That's you. Obey your parents. That's, That's me. I'm a parent. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father. There, there I There's father. What does it say to fathers? It says something to parents. It says something to fathers. Then it says, and mother. It gets some more. Some of you are potential fathers. Some of you are a father. Some a potential mother. Some are currently mother. You read on, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it's a good spot to just stop and say that I know that this particular passage uh, is talking about their culture. And be aware of this. He's, this is, he's, he's not writing here about Western culture. He's not writing about American history. He's not 
uh, describing for us in these verses what American slavery was. He's writing to a group of believers in Ephesus, in Asia, as he writes to them about their world. Their economic system was involved in this kind of system where you had servants and masters, but it wasn't like what we know in American history. It was believed that as many as 600 million people would have, um, I'm sorry, let me drop back from that. It was known that as much as a third of the people in this region, in this area, would have identified as a bond servant or a slave. And there were many ways that they could have worked themselves uh, to freedom. They could have purchased their freedom. There were relationships in the way they did business and transactions is different than our culture. And I just, I want to mention that because this is not a passage of scripture where the Apostle Paul is riding into the culture of America when it comes to this particular practice specifically. And this is not a message on um, abolition. Um, this is looking at these verses and saying, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how do we work in a way that honors Christ? And how do we lead those who work for us to honor Christ? And what are the principles here about how people relate to one another in a vocation? And I want to make that application this morning. So, so who are you? Are you a mom or a dad, a wife or a husband, potentially one of those? And here's the second question. What does God require of me? As a one another brother, it says that, that I'm required to submit to one another. To submit to one another. How do we do that? We, we look in this room and there's a few hundred people here. How do we submit to one another? We submit to one another by making our first thought about others and not self. We submit to one another by, by considering others, by thinking about the needs of others, by walking in humility where we say, what uh, I, I consider you more important than me. I need pictures to help me understand uh, things. And, and, and I would describe this with a, with a picture of what I would call a opening the door policy. To submit to one another, describe it as an opening the door policy. And I mean that figuratively, like how do you approach the door in relationship to somebody else? Do you approach the door waiting for them to open it so you can go through? Or do you approach the door opening the door so someone else can go through? And this is going to get crazy when we all try to leave this morning. We're like, we'll never get out of here. I'm not leaving. You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. I, I mean, figuratively, as you approach life, your mindset toward other people, do you enter into a relationship with someone with a mindset of considering and giving or receiving and expecting? Submit to one another. The next place I find myself is as a husband. And I look at these verses and it says in verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands. There I am. Where's the uh, instruction for me? I look in verse 25 and it says, husbands love your wives. 
And in a very short passage of scripture, from verse 25 to verse 33, three times, three times, I'm given the specific expectation that I'm to love my wife. Three times, love your wives, love your wives, love your wives. And, and you've got to take just a moment here. Let's be patient with the text. Think about the Apostle Paul riding into this first century group of people that had gone from darkness to light. They're following this Savior, this Messiah, Jesus Christ. They're, they are in marriages. They're in relationships. And the husband and wife have become a follower of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul says to these husbands, your wife, now you know Jesus, love her. And immediately in their culture, it raises their value of what a wife is in their culture because they become a follower of Jesus Christ. This was radical instruction for the husband in the way he would treat his wife. And what the Apostle Paul is describing is a new love. He's describing a new love. You have a new life, that means you have a new love. You have a new Savior, you have a, your sins have been forgiven, you've gone from death to life, it's going to show up in the way you care for your wife, there's a new love. Well, what does that look like, Paul? He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The kind of love that he describes for a husband to have for his wife is a sacrificial love. A love that lays down his life for his wife. It is a death to self. That's the way you show a new love. He also describes the responsibility of a husband to recognize you now have a new family. In verse 30, it says, because we are members of his body, verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And it's my, when I put myself in these verses, I'm responsible for recognizing that I now have a new family, that I've left my mother and dad, and I have a wife to cleave to. And it's critical for us to see that in, in our relationship as husbands and wives, that there is a new love and there is a new family. Now, I look at these verses today and I think about the week of preparing this message. And I, I tell you, it is, it is amazing to me how involved, and I, and I, I, I pause before I finish this sentence. Because right, stay with me, you'll, you'll think I'm crazy. But I'm amazed over and over and over again at how involved God gets in the message when I'm studying it. And you're like, well, I hope so, Pastor. I hope he's involved. And, and, and I do too. But I mean, I mean like God getting all up in my business kind of involved. That's what I mean. And, and I'm this week at my desk in my home, reading these verses and writing out this very page and my phone rings and it's Carla 
my wife. And I had a short amount of time to study that moment and she calls and she said, Carlos, I'm in the parking lot. I've got to go into Family Dollar. My phone's on 1% and I don't have my credit card and the truck is empty. And what I heard was this, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I don't think that's the word she used, but that's what I heard. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at these verses and I'm listening to her talk and I was like, God, you're not funny. <laughs> and and I, you know, I would... Wouldn't it be beautiful if I could say to you, and I said, honey, I was waiting for you to call. I'll be right there. Don't you worry about a thing. And, and, I'm, I, and I'm here, and I'm just silent when she says it. She's like, yeah. Well, we, we, I won't bore you with my flash or the details of that <laughs> moment. Just say, eventually, there was a moment where I was sitting beside her at the gas station. I handed her billfold, and I filled the truck up with gas, and we lived happily ever after right here <laughs> this morning. And, and it, here's, here's what happened. It was just a reminder to me that we'll take a bullet for our wives, and we may be really uh, selfish when it comes to just bringing a billfold and the requirement is here is that in everyday life there's a new love there's a new family and we're to love our wives sacrificially death to self so wives he says submit verse 22 wives submit to your own husbands not to other husbands your husband submit to your own husband to submit means to line up under. It means a yielding to. It, it, it is a, it's a picture of laying down what you might could argue are your, um, your immediate will. It's in line with what God would say is, is right. Is, I'm, I'm not talking about laying down your will and participating in something or doing something that's a violation of God's word. I'm, I'm talking about just living everyday life and doing life. And I mentioned needing pictures to understand scripture. And, and, and I think of a picture here that helps me understand this picture, this lining up, this yielding to. I think of it being like a four-way stop mentality when everybody arrives at the same time. And at a four-way stop, when everybody arrives at the same time, somebody's got to submit. Or what? There's going to be a crash. And somebody's going to get hurt. And if a person's sitting here and they yield to the person to their right, it's not because that car is fancier or more important or more valuable. They yield to the person on the right because it allows order and life and protection and everybody to be able to keep moving. 
And this picture here of submitting is God's showing us. It's like it, it is a yielding to. It is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an allowance, a submitting to. Not out of value or worth, but out of order and for life. It's not original with me, but someone said it, and it, it's, it's so perfect. And it's this, if you want a, a marriage that is vibrant and healthy and alive, there first has to be two funerals. And the way a husband and wife becomes one flesh alive is for there to be two funerals, and that is a husband and a wife that both die to self. And then there can be life. I look in this passage of scripture and I find myself to be a child. He says, children, obey your parents. I'm a child. I believe that in my particular situation to where I have left my father and mother and become one flesh with my wife, that there's a different authority structure now that I no longer uh, operate in relationship to my mom or my dad in an obedience kind of way. I've left father and mother, but it does not do away with honoring my father and mother. To honor someone means to give them value, to recognize them for who they are, to acknowledge who they are and the role they play. Many of you in this room right now are children still living at home, still in a relationship with your parents where there's that line of authority. And the instruction there is to obey and to honor. Six times in the New Testament, this instruction to children to honor and obey parents is, is given. It begins in the Old Testament in Exodus where it's given in the Ten Commandments with a promise of blessing in your life. So I would ask you to think today as a child how do you honor your parents? How do you obey your parents? Some of you are in the room right now as college students and you're about to do the hardest thing you've done all semester. Go home at Christmas. And listen, it's not going to be just hard for you. It's going to be hard for mom and daddy. And, and in that relationship, I, I'd say you, you go home with a sense of not what about me. You go home submitting to one another you go home as a child saying, how can I obey my parents? How can I honor my parents? And then I read these verses on and I see that I'm a father. Some of you are a mother. And the instruction given here is for fathers to not provoke your children to anger. That means to guard their heart. But bring them up in the discipline. That means to build their discipline. And instruction of the Lord, that means to give them instruction. I hope you would catch those three guides here for fathers, for mothers, for, for, for parents here. I've got to think, as a father, when I relate to my kids, how do I guard their heart? And, and be wise there with their heart, not harsh not bringing them to anger, not exasperating them, not causing them to despair, but, but learning their heart, learning how with our five kids, one heart's different than the other heart. One 
can handle things in a different kind of way than the other handles things and receives things in a different kind of way. We guard their hearts. We build their discipline. It's an instruction to us as parents that it's okay to let our kids do hard things, to be in hard situations and have demands on them that they have to follow through on. And in the protection of a home and and the blessing of a home, they are able to build that discipline so that one day it won't turn into regret. And we give them hard things to do. We let them fail so that they can have discipline built into their life. And we give them instruction in the Lord. That means that teaching the Word and having them where the Word is taught, that that becomes a priority in our life as a dad. It's so easy for us in this culture. Remember, we've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's so easy for us in this life to move sports to the priority, to to move grades to say, and I don't care about that. I want you to make an A plus in that class because that's the only way we're going to get the Zell Miller and that's the only way you're going to go to college and I don't have any, you're going to pay it yourself. Dad, I'm just reading my Bible. Was there any biology in there? Because you're supposed to be studying biology right now. Listen, he, please get the priority. Get the priority of there are things that matter for eternity as a dad and say, and I've got to guard their heart. I've got to build discipline into their life. I've got to give them instruction in the Lord. And then worker, servant, employer, master. As a worker, he lays it out basically saying, do your work as rendering service as unto the Lord. That'll change your week. That'll change your week. When you realize that you're doing it as unto the Lord. He's your number one boss. And the reminder here for masters or in our situation, I say those who are leading the work is to recognize that in God's perspective, that the worker and the one who leads the work, that neither one of them are more valuable than the other in God's eyes. He shows no partiality. There's an opportunity for us to show Christ in the way we lead work and the way we do work. Let me mention to you very fast just three reasons why. Why, why love? Why submit? Why obey? Why honor? One is identification. It gives you a chance in this world to identify as a follower of Jesus. Seven times in these verses it says, as Christ, as Christ, as Christ. Seven times. And it's a chance for us to identify in this world as someone who's been changed by the good news of Jesus. Secondly, revelation. If you've ever been at a wedding I've done, I think without fail for a number of years, I've said to the couple, your marriage is a living parable of the gospel. And it plays out here in these verses as he says marriage actually is a, it tells us something about the mystery of the church. How the church follows Christ and how Christ dies for the church. And in our marriages we're revealing to the world the gospel marriage, the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. And then sanctification. 
he speaks in these verses about splendor, without spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish, the washing of the word. And in these relationships with children or parents or husbands and wives or workers or those who lead the work, there's a sanctification that goes on in our life because of those relationships. And, and, and I think you can identify with this, that in my life, I never knew how selfish I was until I had a kid. And when I had a kid and two kids and three kids and four kids and five kids, it, just, it was like, Lord, I'm trying to get it, okay? I'm selfish. And, and, the, and it's, it's the sanctifying work that happens in our relationship as we honor the Lord that shapes us more and more and more, gets rid of the pride, gets rid of the selfishness. The sanctifying work so that when we see Christ, we'll be like him. Fourth question, when should I start? When should I start loving my wife like Christ loved the church? Three-letter answer, now. Now, not next week. This isn't a January 1 New Year's resolution. This is today. In these relationships, start today. You say, Pastor, how? How? You don't know my situation. You're right. But we've already said it. We said it a couple of weeks ago. Here's how we live out this new system, this new life. Verses just prior to this, we pray to be full of wisdom full of the Holy Spirit, and full of gratitude. Just try this. Just to, You say, start today. How do I even start? Where do I even start? Start today, husband, by expressing to your wife, writing down on a piece of paper, or thinking in your mind and heart something that you're grateful for about your wife. Kids, you're having a hard time obeying your parents. Start with gratitude. Lord, I want to thank you. That I got a mom. I want to thank you that I got a dad. Start with gratitude. Pray for wisdom. I look at our kids and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. Full of the Holy Spirit. We die to self. What comes alive? The Spirit of God in us. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us. Be full of wisdom in your spirit and gratitude as we try to live who you are in us. Lord, I pray that there'd be some death to self in this room. God, help me today. This life is daily. We need you. I pray you'd help in marriages heal where there's hurt and this could be a new start. Family relationships and our work. Lord, I pray Monday would be different this week. As we recognize you're the boss. You're the Lord. Our work's to you. We need you. Be glorified in us, through us. In Jesus' name, amen.